Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker, coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. And with me, as usual, my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. And today we are joined by Dave Bricker. Uh, Dave is a speaker, uh, presentation coach, uh, and a business storytelling expert. He's based in Miami, Florida. Welcome, Dave. Lindsay, thanks for having me. Rel, great to see you again. So, Dave, you you speak and write about storytelling. Now, this is business storytelling, not kiddie stuff, not 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 children's stories. What's that all about, and why should leaders care about storytelling? I think anybody who's ever finished a lousy book because they had to find out how it ended, or <laughs> watched a movie all the way to the end because even though they weren't enjoying it, they were just compelled to find out how the story ended understands intuitively the power of story. And too many people are just data dumping when they speak, when they sell. They're giving a lot of factoids and figures, and they're not engaging their audience, whether that's a stadium full of people or one person who they happen to be trying to to talk to. So understanding what stories are, how stories work, and how to use them is a critical business skill. Okay, and and Dave, you you've obviously taken your storytelling to the next level, having sailed miles and miles across uh, oceans, vast oceans in a wooden boat. Um, what what inspired you to do that, and, and was it was it what inspired you to do that? When I was when I'd finished my first year of college, it's rather disillusioned with with school. I took a year off, took my gap year. And right at the beginning of that year, I met some wonderful people who lived in the sailboat anchorage in Miami. And the first thing I realized about them is they all had incredible stories to tell. And I thought, you mean you can have adventures without having to read a book or go to a movie theater? Adventures are real? And I thought, I want some of that. Where do I get that? And I just fell head over backwards into the world of sailing. And by the time I finished college, I had a 26-foot sailboat that I bought for $3,000, not much money, and began to fix her up. And another six or eight months after graduating, I headed off to the Bahamas with $30 in my pocket and a locker (laughs) full of food and dreams and odd-jobbed my way around. And then I jumped on my friend's boat and we went to Europe and, and did that Atlantic crossing. But why? I wanted stories. I didn't, and and as I got the opportunity to have those stories, as I made the opportunity to have those stories, what I was really afraid of was getting old and looking back and regretting all of the things I hadn't done because I wasn't supposed to do that, because I I needed to focus on my career or because something bad was going to happen to me. I just had marvelous adventures and found the stories I was looking for. No regrets. Yeah, I think... um... That the power of the story is incredible, though. But and, and I, I can think of amazing dinner party stories I've heard, but also 
business stories I've heard which are inspiring. So how do these stories actually work, Dave? Like what's the hook? What what makes us interested or how do they work? So if we're watching a story, take your favorite movie. Take take something, I don't know, it doesn't have to be your favorite, but take something immersive like a science fiction film, Lord of the Rings. What's happening is you are in that film. You might you forget that you're sitting in a chair in a movie theater or watching on your screen at home. So here's what happens. We stepped out of the wilderness 20,000 years ago, which in evolutionary terms is blink of an eye. It's nothing. And as hunter-gatherers, the way we survived is we're constantly scanning our environment for threats and opportunities. Now in business, we tend to be in the opportunity business. So let's set the threats aside. But yeah, we want to look out for sharks. We want to look out for sushi, right? It's either going to be food or, or run away from something. And a story when, it, when, when something captures our attention in the same way that standing on a street corner and looking up, what happens? People stand around and they look up too. They want to see, is something falling? Is it money? Is it dangerous? What is something going to land on me? And is it a threat or an opportunity? When you present people with that choice, they pay attention. And when you give them a good narrative that's built correctly, now they are scanning for threats and opportunities inside your story. And if I tell you a story about sailing, for example, unless you're very familiar with sailing and navigating in, in, in blue water, on some level, you're thinking, I hope Dave's going to get me out of this. So when you tell a story, you become the guide. And then ideally, you make your listener the hero. That's powerful. <clears throat> so you, I make can give you, you make your listener the hero. Talk to me more about that. Well, one of, one of the worst things, we've all, we've all seen people get up on a stage, for example, and talk about themselves. And we'll, you'll listen to me tell my story for about three or four minutes. And after a while, you're going to think to yourself, I've got Netflix. I've got Amazon Prime. What do I need this clown up on stage telling me about his adventures for? What about my adventures? So, for example, when I do my keynote speech... I talk, I, I tell a story about a very rough crossing where I was in my little boat, my lights went out, and I was in very rough seas, and there were these ships all around me. And I mean, in the beginning, I, I've seen people start to show signs of physical seasickness when I tell the story. People get pulled into that story. But after a few minutes, I don't have much time. And at some point I say, have you ever felt like that in your business? Like you're out there in those rough seas and there's no lights on and these big opportunities are going by you and they can't see you. They'd run you right over and never even know it. How are you going to get their attention? And all of a sudden, everybody's riveted because I told my story about the audience. So one of my storytelling concepts is Boat yourself off the island and explore the world in a U-boat. You've got to tell your story about your audience because talking about yourself, uh, you know, my father always said that narcissism is the only disease in the world where the sicker you are, the better you feel. <laughs> You're not offering any value to your audience. So, Dave, so, so 
I mean, how compelling do stories have to be? I mean, I meet lots of people, and I'm sure you do because you work about storytelling in business, that go, my story is of no interest to people. You know, how do they make that the, the, that switch from my story is no interest to anyone to, wow, I can actually turn this into something that people can learn from? Well, there are plenty of opinions on this matter, but the size doesn't matter. And stories don't have to be big and grandiose. And I've heard people tell me stories about climbing to the top of Mount Everest that were boring because they were all about the person climbing. Whereas we all have mountains to climb. We all have rivers and oceans to cross. What makes a story compelling is the universality of that story. We all deal with certain things. We, 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 and it comes down to survival level things, food, love, shelter, sex, status, safety. And these are the things that motivate us and drive us. If the story is about one of those survival level things, metaphorically, then people will be interested and people will pay attention. So can I ask you then, so do you think people suffer from imposter syndrome? In other words, nobody wants to hear my story. Like, like you know, and, and there are the, when you meet people one-on-one and, and you talk to them and you get in, into them, they actually have amazing stories and they don't, they don't have the, maybe it's a fear of public speaking. And I know you do a lot of speaker coaching, but, but what is it that stops people sharing those stories? I think it's exactly what you say, Rel. It's the voices of self-doubt. It's imposter syndrome. And if, if you're not an egomaniac, it's part of the human condition. We all deal with this. Who am I to be on your podcast talking to the world about storytelling? Who am I to be coaching executives? I'm just a boat bum, right? I mean, these voices in our heads that keep us silent, that keep us from valuing ourselves and sharing our stories. And I think many stories are even about that. So, I mean, it's the same thing. People said, weren't you afraid to sail across the ocean? Of course I was. But like I said, I was more afraid that if I didn't sail across the ocean, I'd hate myself for not doing it for the rest of my life. I can't wait to tell my kids one day, oh, I got to tell you about the adventure I almost had. I got to tell you about the girl I almost asked out. I got to tell you about the risk I almost took. Well, gee, thanks, Grandpa. That was that was a great story. I'll see you later. You going to leave me anything? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not inspiring. So, yeah. yeah, we all deal with that. And I think it's one of the most important and powerful themes. Uh, I mean, sometimes I'm surprised. I do a lot of public speaking and then all of a sudden I've got something new or different or different audience. And it's the night before and I'm tossing and turning and I'm thinking, wow, I'm nervous about my presentation. I'm the presentation coach. That's not supposed to happen. What are you going to do? You just keep, keep pushing forward. So Dave, I'm curious. I've got a friend who he and I had a, had an experience together. And he often retells that story. But as the years have gone by, the stories got bigger and bigger. And so I'm sitting there at times thinking, I don't recall it happening that way. So how important is it that we stick 100% to the truth of the story? Is it okay to embellish, which my mate clearly does? Well, it's interesting because we have this idea of 100% true. 
But if you and I were asked to tell the story about this conversation from memory a month from now, we would tell different stories just because. Well, I was a handsome one. I remember that much. (laughs) Right. You get the idea. But first, first of all, (laughs) we're all filtering everything that, that we record in our brains. But when we tell a story, whether our goal is to entertain the audience, enlighten the audience, and again, by audience, it could be the one person you're talking to. It could be your boss. It could be your prospective date. It could be your spouse. It could be your kid. But when we, when we tell stories, the point of a story is to transform your audience in some way. And I always encourage people, be a journeyist, not a journalist. If you're writing an article on, on what happened at the event for the newspaper, stick to the facts as best you can. If you're telling a story, tell that story to benefit the audience. And I mean, no one's, no one's accusing J.K. Rowling of lying in the Harry Potter books. She's done very well with her lies, right? It's fiction, but it's okay. It's fiction, but it has that that universality, right? Because we all feel like we've been locked under the stairs and need to discover our magic powers. It's so universal, it hits everybody. Okay, so hang on a sec. We're talking storytelling in business now, and we want to we want to relay a business story. Then is it okay to lie there? J.K. Rowling clearly lied. Well, lie. That's that's not the right word, but you know where I'm going. It's not 100 true. Can you see where I'm going? Absolutely. So I don't think we want to misrepresent facts. We don't want to say that this is a bigger opportunity than it really is. We, we, we don't want to distort information that people are going to rely on for making decisions. But that's, in a way, that's not really the storytelling component. The storytelling component has to do with the the emotional level, survival level thing. So I'll give you an example. One realtor is trying to sell a piece of property and they talk about how many, the the property has central air conditioning and it's so many thousand square feet of space and it's two stories and it's got insulated windows and and the roof was redone 10 years ago. And these are all the factoids about the house. Somebody else, another realtor might sell the same property and say, look, this house is a, a mile from downtown, but in a nice neighborhood. So you can have that suburban feel, but be close to the, the business center. The train station is two blocks away. There's a great public school three blocks away. Now, all of a sudden, people are thinking about, oh, my work life, my professional life, my family. How easy is it to get here and there? Oh, there are fruit trees in the yard. That's wonderful. And so it's the same property. Neither realtor is telling lies, but the second realtor is looking at their customer and thinking, how is this going to relate to their lifestyle, to their life experience, to their family, to these survival level needs? Because if those needs are met, that family will compromise on the square footage They might say, well, we'll live with those window units for now. We'll put the central AC in later. Ah, We'll fix the roof. We'll negotiate on the price for it. But what they're really interested in is that story. So, so Dave, and and then take that into the executive world, right? Executives 
almost have been conditioned within a business. So when you're talking, and, and, and all, all three of us on this podcast are professional speakers, so we're used to speaking to unknown audiences. But in the executive world, in the business world, executives almost are, are trained not to tell personal stories, not to bring personal experience into speaking to their teams. Um, how, do we, how do we get over that hurdle? It's interesting. There's there's so much in the corporate world that's kind of baked in that needs to be unbaked. And so, for example, there's this mythology: everything in corporate has to be some has to be boring. It can't be exciting. And yet, you look at people who work in corporate, and they go out drinking on Saturday night, and they have romances, and they 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 like to travel. They're just people like everybody else. And yet there's this sort of stiffness that gets associated with corporate, uh, with, with the marketing, with the internal communications, and with the leadership. And it falls into this almost military kind of, of, of ethos. And yet we see some really progressive companies today that are getting away from that. And they're building in recreation facilities and gyms. They're offering flexible schedules. They're they're keeping the hierarchy a little bit looser and there's a big difference between being a leader and being a boss. I think that's happening now in a lot of places. And I think a lot of the better employees are gravitating toward those work environments. It's not like here's work is this place you go to suffer during the day and then you go home to your family at night and you get your two weeks of vacation a year. A lot of people aren't buying that anymore. So when we get to executives, I think executives can tell those personal stories as long as they make it about their employees or their stakeholders or their stockholders. It's just a matter of learning how it all works, how to do it appropriately. So to tell a story, it's got to be engaging. How, you know, how do, how do we make it engaging? Are there any tips, keys, ideas? So, the first, the golden rule of storytelling is that stories are always about people. Now, they might appear to be about talking animals or aliens, but at least metaphorically, stories are always about people. If you're not talking about people, you're not telling stories. If you're not telling stories, you're not connecting. And if you're not connecting, you're not selling. And let me clarify what I mean by selling, because selling is not the art of getting people to part with their money. That's a byproduct of one type of selling. Anyone who's asked someone on a date is selling. Anyone who's asked for a raise is selling. Anyone who's tried to put a child to bed is selling. It's the art of influence and persuasion. So talking about people, if, if you're talking about the square footage and the number of central AC units and the BTU, and the, you're not selling. You're data dumping. And plenty of executives do that and leave their employees thinking, well, that's another hour I'll never get back. Why didn't they just put that stuff in an email? How many, how many meetings do, do people have in that corporate environment that really could have just been an email, but some leader thinks that they have to be heard? And then they bring out the death by PowerPoint presentation. And plenty of people know what, what I'm talking about here. It's a, it's a cultural thing, and it, and it does need to change. But that first rule is that stories are always about people. If you take nothing else away, there's that. And then a story moves 
from the stormy seas of conflict to the safe port of transformation. The conflict will get people interested in, in the story initially, but you've got to give them that transformation, which is why anti-tobacco ads that show people with yellow teeth and, and yellow fingers, they don't work. Insurance ads that sell burned houses and, I mean, and crashed cars, they don't work because people are shopping for transformation. So, so when, when people are telling stories, does everybody have to have the real hero journey? You know, the, the I survived cancer or I sailed across the Atlantic story? No, because, well, I mean, it depends. First of all, the, the hero's journey, Campbell's formula, I think is great if you want to write the next Star Wars. It's great for movie scripts. It's got way too, way too many moving parts for a lot of business applications. All we really need is conflict and transformation, but it's got to be the authentic transformation. So, for example, making a lot of money, yeah, we all want to do that, but that's not really the universal conflict. Why do we want the money? Do we want to send our children to a better school? Do we want to pay our medical expenses? Do we want to be able to move to a better place? These are the survival level things. And that's the authenticity component, conflict transformation. And that sailboat needs, the, needs to go from conflict to transformation. For that to happen, the water has got to be deep enough. So the conflict has to be deep enough. And a lot of stories don't captivate us because the conflict isn't authentic. It isn't universal. And then what is the magic invisible force that moves that sailboat? That's wind. And I often refer to it as magic. And that's your individual talent. It could be your team. It could be your tools. It could be your education. It could be your experience. It could be the way you put together uh, the model that you use to put something together. Like I use story sailing. Somebody else might have a storytelling pyramid or a mountain that they climb or a river they cross. But everybody's got something unique to add to that equation. And, and it's a, it's a four-element model. I'm not sure I answered your question or drifted away from it. No, no it's just that people that, you know, that you see a lot of people and, and they go down the opposite road. They, they have the, the hero journey. They survived, you know, sailing across the Atlantic. And that's all they talk about. They right. don't know how to relate that to other people and other things. Well, I carried my stories around for a lot of years before, because when you have a big story, people who have been in a firefight in a war, they tend to get together with their war buddies and talk about that because it's, it, it's something that most people can't relate to. And a story, a big story like that will make you feel like a little bit of a freak and that's natural. But I'll tell you the people who have had, I mean, many of us have had a, a beloved pet die. Well, it happens to a lot of people all the time, but it's still a traumatic story. I can think of, you know, fur children I've had to put down, and that's going to be with me forever. I don't talk about it on the platform, but it's something that if somebody's dealing with that grief or losing a loved, beloved person, for that matter, um, I tried to make the story smaller. But people have been through divorces. People have fallen in love and gone through breakups. People have been in automobile accidents. They don't all have to be horrendous, huge stories to have that same metaphorical value. But yeah, 
the big big stories are a big load for people to carry around. So, Dave, um, you're a presentation skills coach, just clearly a storytelling expert. If our listeners wanted to get in touch with you uh, to explore maybe teasing out their stories and using them to spread a business message, how would they get in touch with you? Best way is storysailing.com, S-A-I-L-I-N-G, storysailing, or davebricker.com will take you. They both go to the same website. They take you to the same place. So I'm easy to get a hold of. So, Dave, um, it's been wonderful to have you here uh, with us today. Uh, And I want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Lindsay and Rail, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, ladies and gentlemen, as always, we have some amazing resources available on our podcast website. That's excellencepodcast.com. Uh, so if you want some free downloads, some uh, some great uh, stories and stuff there, uh, take the opportunity to get along for that. And with that, I'm going to say thanks to my co-host, Rail Bricker, uh, and to you, Dave, for joining us today. And we we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.